Wait, game or gain? Gain wars. I meant, <laughs> we're talking about sound, so I meant gain, but yeah, sure. <laughs> Two hundred and forty-seven episodes is all it took, JJ, for me to join you in the Standing Desk Club. Hey, very it's nice. O- it's official. Hello from five feet nine inches. I'm taller than that, but I was going to where the microphone is. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, I'm not much taller than that, but I was going to where the microphone is. Because, yeah, I mean, you want the microphone up to, you know, more or less the level of your mouth, right? Yeah, pretty and, much. I mean, you want to speak... Well, the, our microphones, you do. I mean, certain microphones, you don't. Michael, hello. Hello. Would you like to uh, enlighten us into microphone parabolics? Uh, As the resident uh, musician? <laughs> I mean, I don't know a ton about it. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're not frequently mic'd as tuba players probably for the best no offense (laughs) seems reasonable uh yeah i mean certain microphones you want in different positions but the mics we all use uh because we want to have nice beautiful crisp full deep round flushed out for synonyms there (laughs) (laughs) keep it going keep it going uh yeah, that you want them kind of right in front of your face. That's pretty good. Um, it's been a few days. JJ, does the tired legs ever go away? Nah, dude. Uh, so here's what it is, right? You need to be able to sit down sometimes. I can you do can't that. Stand. Yeah, you can't always stand. Yeah. Uh, because you will eventually get tired, especially if you do it for multiple hours at a time. Like, ideally, you're kind of like, Stand for a couple hours, sit for an hour, stand for a couple hours, something like that. Got it. Okay. I'm not a, like, you know, therapist or a person who knows about standing or whatever, but, like, I I don't think it's reasonable to have a person stand literally all day. It's too long. Nice. I, uh, I got a Japanese company's two foot two and a half foot tall riser from my monitors which are now on swing arms that go up and down um and then i have a little tray for my keyboard and mouse that i pull out to just pop it up into the air uh that way yeah. it kind of is pretty clean i don't like the idea of those huge like vera desk attachments and i didn't want to get a new desk because i have like this cool 1960s metal tanker desk uh that I didn't Your want to desk get rid is of. ridiculous, and you should get rid of it because it's bad and too big. That's really the issue. You're attached, <laughs> you're attached to this desk that weighs about seven thousand pounds, and literally could be made of the side of a battleship. It might, it might have been. You never know. In the 1960s, they might have been reusing battleships for this desk, and now I can't get rid of it. Thank you very much. Yep. Uh, yeah, because the real answer is like you just get a desk surface that goes up and down really easy, and then there's no, there's no problem. I may change my mind eventually, but I kind of like it now, um, that it's all set up. I don't know. It's nice. I look. There are lots of great standing setups, and I'm 
you have found one that works for you and that's great because I think people should do it. It's not that tough. And once you get everything positioned properly that like it's at the right height so you're not like looking, you know, you don't have to crane your neck one way or the other way all the time. And right. Your, your arms are at the right angles and your hands are in the right places and stuff. It's not it's not painful or anything. It's very easy. It's just like, it's just like sitting down except you're standing up and it's better for you. Supposedly, I think I it's literally just proving to me that I'm very out of shape because my legs and my back are like, what are you doing? Uh, it's like, you know, think about it like this, right? Like if you had, uh, if you go to uh, this, is, so here, this will work. This is a, this is a thing you can understand. You haven't been to Disneyland in 800 years because it's been closed for forever. Right. Right. Tomorrow, they're like, Andrew, you and your family are invited to Disneyland. We're closing the whole park just for you so it's safe. Uh, however, the you're going to pretend there are lines. And so you're going to have to stand in two-hour lines for all the attractions you want to go on. At the end of that day, your back and your <laughs> legs are going to be killing you from standing up, right? It's the yeah. same thing. Yeah. Yeah, standing. It's the standing without moving, really. Like if you were walking for the same length of time, exactly. you wouldn't feel you wouldn't feel the same like strain in your back and in your legs. But it's just the fact that you're standing up, and if you're anything like me, you sort of will unconsciously lock your knees from time to time, which is no bueno. Uh oh. Yeah, don't do that. Uh, it's something I have to like constantly practice. Is like shifting my weight from one leg to the other leg, and like shuffling my feet around a little bit because otherwise. It is very easy to just stand here, lock both your knees. Yep. And then eventually you just like start feeling yourself swaying a little bit. And then the step after that is you pass out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, at least I'm already home. Yeah. Well, yeah, but you don't want to pass out on the floor, man. It's not this, good. This gigantic metal desk will catch me. Ooh. Oh, man. And, and then you will have a concussion <laughs> in addition to being passed out. Great. Everything is good. Oh, boy. Welcome to yeah, We Were Gamers. It, that's the advice they tell you about standing up, like standing in one place for a long time for anything, right? Like they, it, that was advice I was given and have given people during weddings because it's tendency of people that are, you know, in the wedding party or whatever to stand up and you have to stand up there for potentially a long time, stand there and lock your knees. Whoopsie daisy. I have seen people fall over in the middle of weddings before. Yeah, I have too. Oh, I, I am not part of that crew. I have not seen that happen. I don't need to. I don't need to. I'm not saying I I want to, but I'm just surprised. Yeah, it's just. Yeah, it was just a. It was a crazy happening. Yeah. (laughs) Luckily, they didn't hurt themselves too bad. Wow. Uh. Hey. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. This is a fun beginning because I could just talk more hardware. If you guys want to do a. I don't know if it's even a component class. But we could make it one later, I guess. Did we say that it was too? 47 i think we said it was 247 i might have said it i don't know hi i'm interested in hardware if there's hardware to talk about there is hardware to talk about i'm gonna make some noises here and see what you think this device is that sounds kind of like a controller or a mouse michael nailed it on the head yeah it's the loudest controller you've ever heard in your life (laughs) <laughs> i uh i think i talked about last week or the week before probably the week before about getting quote unquote into Warzone. uh the the call of duty battle royale free-to-play game uh there are some 
motions that you should make in order to be good at that game that require you to either claw your fingers in a weird shape or to join the custom controller market. Now, this is, I mean, it's ridiculous, right? Like, most people don't need to do this. You can't just, like, rebind the buttons? You could on a PC. Uh, I play sometimes on the PS4. I see. And so, Hmm. uh, Scuff, the controller maker, who's responsible for making the Xbox Elite 1, I don't know if they made the Elite 2 controller, which gets a lot of good reviews, also makes PlayStation and PC controllers. So on the on the PC, you can rebind very easily. On the on the PS, you can rebind a little bit, but not enough. They want you to do this thing in the game where you slide and jump almost at the same time while shooting. And you, it's hard to do all of those things while keeping your hand on the aiming stick. Uh, so this was a thing I wanted to do, not that you have to do, but I wanted to do to get better at that game. And a lot of the people suggested going out and getting one of these scuff controllers that have, I don't know if you've seen these, but if you look up like the scuff vantage, uh, they have like underside triggers for where your fingers go underneath the controller. And those are, those Those are like auto bound to the four buttons on the top of the controller. In this case, because it's a PlayStation controller, triangle, square, circle X. Mm -hmm. And those buttons are then bound to those automatically. You can rebind them. You can even rebind them on the controller. They have like an ability to do that. Um, wow. I, I don't know that people need to get one of these types of things. But in a way, I don't... You guys have, I mean, mechanical keyboards, maybe. Yeah, you both have mechanical keyboards. You both have high DPI mice. It's weird that this long into gaming, I feel like I've accepted whatever the the system comes with is the best that exists. Because a lot of the time, when you talk about buying extra controllers for your machine, you're talking about buying, like, Hori Battle Pads and, you know, like, all the off-brand, exactly the same thing that the main brand makes for $10 cheaper, you know? Right. Yeah. This feels like buying a mechanical keyboard as a controller. You know? Like, all the buttons have a much more crisp feel to them the sticks are way more sensitive both of the sticks uh the the trigger actions both both sides of the triggers you can actually set stops in them so like they they don't go down that far when you activate them so like when you're shooting right you pull the trigger and it stops maybe one and a half millimeters instead of the full travel of like an xbox controlled controller which is almost an inch right uh, so much a much faster firing rate, essentially, in terms of your your reflexes. Your reflex, yeah. Well, and also your reflexes in getting off of the trigger, right? Like if you need to get off of that thing and move your hand uh, to throw a grenade or whatever, you've gone three quarters less of an inch to get back off of the trigger. Um, it's very. This is a huge adjustment, like a really huge adjustment. 
I don't I didn't realize how stiff the controller sticks are on most controllers. When you feel this thing, it's held together it's by rubber bands are the resistance, and it's very light resistance comparatively. So I had to turn down a bunch of sensitivities in games and all sorts of stuff like that. And then you get into like you can change out all these things because it's completely customizable. Wow. There's a so you, there's a market. You went man. full esports. That's why I, I just heard you went full <laughs> esports. You're gonna be like pro Call of Duty player next year. No, so that's the thing. I don't want to go full esports entirely. I in fact don't want to even play on the PC anymore at all. I want to switch fully to the PlayStation because there's not. I mean, you I guess you can script controllers or something and really try to cheat that way but like i have watched replays of us playing the cross gen or the cross console systems and like the replay of me getting shot out of a helicopter where it's a very clear aimbot you know and i'm supposed to only be playing hmm. against people with a controller even though i'm on the pc but still because they're on a pc how did you hit me like that there's absolutely no way right and there's some i mean people people hack these consoles too and do the same thing yeah i don't know that it's a guaranteed no i think i agree entirely with you but i think that if you are able to limit your exposure you you know find much less of that scenario happening yeah yeah the the console console cheating is more expensive therefore (laughs) just the interest level would be lower right no i imagine that if it was cheap people would be equally interested the difference (laughs) is the cost is expensive so therefore less people do it that's Hmm. it's slightly harder even if it was cheap but, um, yeah, so, you know, in the interest of switching over to the PlayStation, I wanted to play controller instead of e-sport it up with a keyboard and mouse, even though people will tell you that's the only way to play a shooter, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to be good, quote unquote, I don't, I don't think that's true, actually. I, I feel like I'm having, I liked playing Halo on the PC with the keyboard and mouse because we weren't being competitive about it. Sure. Um. I like playing on this controller in a competitive game. It gives me much more of a sense of quick reaction ability sometimes. I don't know. I don't know why. But Yeah, so you're going all esports. I was right. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was interesting that I'm uh, 34 years old and I'm like, wait a minute. Somebody's out here making side controllers that are better than the controllers that come with the consoles. And that was the whole proposal of that Xbox Elite controller, right? Absolutely, but that was that was Xbox putting it out, right? And I didn't really look into it, why it was made and who made it at the time. But Xbox has been kind of that kind of we want we're interested in that. I don't know if you remember with the 360 had two controllers actually. No, three. There's the original, the Slim, and then the Slim had a transforming D-pad. So like if you were playing fighting games and not fighting games, you could twist the D-pad and change the way that it worked. Um, and so Xbox to me has always been kind of interested in making a quote unquote better controller, but I didn't realize like, uh, I don't know what's your guys experience, but you know, back even starting with the N64, when you bought a off brand controller, you could be relatively assured it would break eventually. I think the only time I've, the only time I've bought non like main brand controllers has been for my computer otherwise i've just gone with 
the the ones that come from the hardware manufacturer. I was just going to say, I don't even buy uh, controllers for my computer. I just plug my controllers from my consoles into my computer. That's But that's a now. Sure, you can, yeah, you can do that. That's now, now, though. You couldn't do that yeah. with a PlayStation 1 controller right away. Uh, sure, sure. I, I wasn't playing games with a controller on my PC back then either, right? Right, sure, fair. Uh, but yeah, the I actually have one of those uh, 360 controllers with the transforming D-pad, so that's that was the one I used. Um, but it, it is a, I think, you know, people of our age group, I imagine, all knew that friend who had like like Goldeneye on the N64, and you went over there to go play Goldeneye or whatever. And then he had three controllers that were like, all right. And then the last one was that one you didn't want to get. Yeah. Yeah. That definitely had that friend with a PlayStation and the controller where you had to push like a certain button on it. Otherwise the whole thing didn't work. Yeah. Yeah. There, there was always that friend who just had like, you know, cause it's like the controllers were expensive sure. and they still are, you know, yeah. they're not like the controllers have gotten cheaper. Um, I just play less local multiplayer games. So I don't, typically buy sure, a second sure. controllers anymore. Well, and even back then, you know, Grandma went to the EB Games and said, I need a, Johnny needs another controller for his PlayStation. And they're like, well, this one's just as good as the other one. Wink, and wink. it's $10 cheaper. It's $10 cheaper, Grandma. and our markup is 50% more. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a strange new world to have entered with a premium controller. I can see why people like them a lot. Um, yeah, totally. Those mm-hmm. those triggers underneath are addicting. <laughs> I think the it, it's a similar reason to why people like that Xbox Elite controller, but also the it was a part of the reason why people liked the Steam controller when it came out. I, I never got one, but I know there were some people who really liked it because it had so much programmability. Sure in that you could change so many things about that controller. Yeah. And yeah, it didn't like really catch on or really, you know, become a big deal, but it had all kinds of weird buttons on the face that you could change to be whatever you wanted them to be. The sticks were different in that they were like track pads, which is good, but also weird. And it had all kinds of like new and interesting ideas in controllers, which is just sort of what this is. You're what this is doing, right? These like back touch, things yeah. is basically the same idea right it's like hey this is a convenient way to hit buttons your fingers are already here holding the controller anyway mm-hmm. put put a button yeah, it allows you a lot more reaction time because you don't have to move your fingers around as much it's an amazing idea and just like that steam controller on the computer at least i can set up they have an app where you can set up like 20 different game profiles and it'll change the controller completely you can map every single button and then um if you're playing on like a PlayStation, it has hardware remapping. So you can flip a switch, press a button, then press a different button. And it'll, it'll, um, copy that button. Right. You know, so like you can't move mm -hmm. buttons around, but like this button then becomes also this other button. So, and then you can reset it back to a factory with just a little switch also. So it's kind of cool. And so it's just doing it in software inside the controller and just telling the PlayStation on the other end that like, Hey, he touched the same button. Yeah. Trust me. Yeah. You know, that's cool. That's very cool. Yeah. It's a cool little yeah. device. I don't, I don't like, they should just, why don't they just let you do that from the system? Like why can't PlayStation just let you reprogram all the buttons? I mean, who cares? Xbox. If I want to have, go ahead. Thing. Go ahead, Michael. Sorry. 
I was going to say, it just it seems like such a th- simple thing, doesn't it? If I want to have no X button and I only want to have uh, triangle, I want uh, only triangle. I want to hit every, I love the triangle button. Every button is the triangle button. Let me do it. <laughs> it's going to, it's going to make this controller completely unusable. JJ then, wants to turn Mortal Kombat into one punch man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you should. That's the button. that uh, Maybe that's the button for the one button fatality or whatever. Yeah. I want to do it. Yeah. You know, I, I bet you those companies are somewhat afraid of complete remapping becoming a way that uh, in for people to like hack the consoles or the controllers to make people be able to quote unquote, I don't know, cheat, I guess. Uh, Xbox has the right idea of saying, Hey, we should invest in, in making a better version of this. I, I mean, if you were smart and you were PlayStation, you should go out and buy scuff. You have the money. And just yeah. you just be like, hey, tell us. Don't even don't even ask us anything. Just tell us what the controller is and should be, and what software you need on the PlayStation. And they should just do that. Well, I think there is an argument though that that uh, you can hold. Andrew can hold his controller up to the microphone again and click it a couple times, and we can have an, a ta- discussion about why you might not want this. That so much reminds me of the sound Allow of the me- choice. Allow me to hold controller. allow me to hold my controller up to the microphone and press buttons on it. It doesn't even break the noise. Yeah, I know, I know. Well, that's anything. that's to be fair. To be fair, that's the back triggers. But if you, if I'm pressing the front buttons, right, like they're still pretty loud. They have a real pop to them uh, versus a normal controller, which is that squishy feeling where you push down on those buttons. These really pop back up. They push your finger out when you're done pushing them. And again, and again, the buttons on my controller are silent. And yeah, but I think that is a that is something that should be there for people that want yeah. it, right? Like like it, you and people playing this Call of Duty game that feels this helps them. That should be an option that absolutely you have, right. I think though that you but could say I, I don't think that the they should only make that. I like I don't think that controller should replace. No, the no, no, no. I think you make the PS cheapo the the lower playstation have one easy standard controller and then you have you know the pro one come with a pro level quote unquote or just do the same thing that microsoft does sell a separate one for two hundred dollars yeah Yeah. it's like two hundred dollars or whatever right sell the playstation maximum controller or whatever and it's like it's the same thing but also has all these other options yeah. and stuff and it costs 300 bucks because we can and yeah there's a there's a playstation i mean if you play it, so if you play you pc games and you like having expensive equipment all over the place i honestly think people should check out maybe finding a used xbox elite one or grabbing an elite two when they go on sale at the end of the year i i, I it has changed my it i it has changed my opinion of controller gaming a lot. I have always been pro controller. I, you played Halo on the controller, and I thought mm, he's probably having a more fun time than me. <laughs> and and I've, <laughs> I mean, I've kept my Xbox 360 controllers for how many years now? The Xbox 360's been dead, mm-hmm. and and that's because I've enjoyed them that much. And then I like this is just it's very good. It took me a, a couple days to get used to the fact that like oh, in this instance, I have to press lighter, and in this isn't. I have to press harder. Because 
this is the way the controller should have been, you know? Yeah. Well, that's enough about that. Yeah. I think it's, uh, it, I, uh, I, I mean, for, for years, year, until like maybe two years ago, I was using a PS3 controller on the PC. That was probably getting pretty so, squishy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> eventually, eventually, like I noticed the stick, one of them started, dr- was drifting. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then I was like, this is done. Goodbye. You can, um, the scuff one allows you to hardware dead zone in the app. And then, um, and then a lot of games have started building in stick drift control because it's happening so often. I mean, the switch was plagued. Windows even have, op- even, even has like options and settings yeah. and stuff you can configure. Yeah. And I started digging into it. I'm like, what if I just don't do this and I use a different controller? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you think it has yeah. stick drift, it might be time anyway, but, um, yeah. and then it's I, not uncommon. Problem solved. Yep. It's like I already had other controllers. I just <laughs> well, Michael, did you use a controller on your PC or did you use a keyboard and mouse to try out Horizon Zero Dawn, a PlayStation game, by the way? Yes, uh, a PlayStation exclusive. No longer. Um, I was controller all the way on this one. All right, all right. So you got the Xbox Elite too. Good. <laughs> it's in the it's in the mail. Got to use the um, stimmies, man. So yeah, I um, I finally, uh, having finished Odyssey, I fired up Horizon Zero Dawn, which I have been, I think for a while, I was unrealistically expecting might eventually show up on, on PC as a port. And then all of a sudden they announced that it was happening. So um, I finally got to... Oh, I was gonna say it's not the like it's not unheard of now. I mean, this thing broke the barrier. Horizon Zero Dawn was the the floodgate, and now we're gonna get uh, the other never coming to PC, right? Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. Well, I mean, someday. Uh, actually, I mean, is this a joke? Is Kingdom Hearts not coming tell. anymore? Yeah, it's it's already been announced. It comes out in March. No, yeah, that's, that that's that was my saying. point. Yeah, the the Horizon Zero oh, Dawn okay. was the oh my goodness when it when they announced that like a year and a half ago, it was like whoa, PlayStation exclusives are coming to PC. Maybe and I I think on this podcast I made the joke about Kingdom Hearts three for PC, uh, and we all thought no way. And now yeah, coming in March, right? So I'm yeah. glad you held out, Michael. Yeah, me too. Uh, well, maybe keep holding out based on how much they're planning. Yeah, to I'm, I'm not gonna. Games. I'm not gonna fork <laughs> out fork out for those while they're still an epic exclusive. Oh, you mean the Kingdom Hearts games? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, the pricing is insane. You can buy all of the Kingdom Hearts games minus the DLC on PlayStation sometimes for like thirty bucks easily. They want like they want fifty dollars per game on. Well, epic the first games. one is two games pre order. Look, Andrew. It doesn't <laughs> yeah, you're still talking a hundred dollars versus versus seventy. Yeah, or yeah. versus thirty. Insane. Insane. All right, all right, all right. Okay. Dinosaurs. So, dinosaurs. I want to hear Do, I wanna dinosaurs. Hear. Um, yeah. So this takes place on far future Earth, where our, basically our civilization has collapsed, and the remnants of humanity live in small tribes. Uh, trying to survive in a world that is dominated 
by um, giant mechs. Sentient mechs, um, right? Sen- yeah. Sentient or more yeah, like animal so they, sentience, I guess. More like animal sentience. They the the different machines. Um, they you know they travel in herds um, and they uh, graze um, and like dig for for other materials essentially. Um, so it's not like Skynet where there's like the overlord brain or whatever. Maybe it's just like, I mean, there might be, I, I am not oh, far okay. in the game to have, to, to have an answer for that yet. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, um, this is by the same people that made Tomb Raider. No, this is no. by Gorilla, oh, Gorilla Games. Games, the people that make Killzone. Yes. Got it. Um, and they've done they've done a great job with this. I mean, it's it's one of those games where just first and foremost the the landscape is beautiful. Yeah, I mean that's um, the so my memory can, of those Killzone games was beautiful environments. Right there, there is a fast travel system, but you find yourself not really wanting to use it because you can just run through these these awesome environments. Is it open world um, or is it like multi, like running through an environment as a map and then you move to another map and then you move to another No, map? so it's it's fully open world. Oh. JJ, sorry. Uh, you know. <laughs> um it reminds me it reminds me a lot actually though I'm glad you mentioned them of the those Tomb Raider games. Yeah. Uh just the the combat style like your primary, you know, your primary weapon is a bow. Um and then you have you have a couple of other um you have a sling for launching um different elemental projectiles so you can toss like shot canisters and you can toss firebombs and freeze grenades cool and then you've got um you've got what they call a trip caster which basically sets tripwire uh traps and then you have a rope caster for tying down larger enemies so they can't move cool can you do like the sweet hoth battle level thing where you fly in circles run in circles around them and trip them with giant dinosaurs oh it's sort of like that yeah you're you're basically you spear them with a rope and then stake it to the ground and then you have to strafe your way around them to secure a second anchor point so that they can't move oh what is the point of securing these beasts are you are you doing uh, something that for... they well w- some of them can fly so you're keeping them on the ground some of them can come charging at you and very quickly kill you yeah but um, but what is your character's motivation for capturing beasts are we just monster huntering here where it's like i need to build a skin zoo or like is there a reason to be attacking mecha monsters no so part of it is that you can you can loot them for salvage once you take them down and the salvage you can use to uh, upgrade your weapons, to trade to merchants for better weapons or armor. Um, you can get rare. You can get rare stuff that lets you um, upgrade your capacity to carry ammunition, uh, things like that. Okay. Hmm. Cool. So, so like how how Breath of the Wild open worldy is this? It's not it's not quite the if you see it you can go there like Breath of the Wild is, but it's pretty close. 
Um, there aren't a whole lot of places that you can't, um, you know, you can't get to or climb on top of. Is the, I mean, I don't even want to call it combat, but like, I guess it's combat in a way, uh, kind of varied or did you already kind of come up with a system or, I mean, no, so it is it is necessarily varied. So in addition to the mechs, there are also human enemies. Um, so there are like bandit camps um, and, and roving bands uh, of bandits that you also will encounter. So your, your style has to change depending on what you're up against, whether it be, you know, different kinds of the mechs that have different weaknesses um, that force you to adjust. Or if you're facing, you know, a dozen enemies, uh, human enemies at the same time that are all trying to swarm you. Sure. Mm. Okay. So you, you have to, you have to adjust to take advantage of weaknesses basically. Cool. At least, you know, early on in the game. And so there are also human enemies as well, right? Yes. Yeah. So there are also human enemies. Uh, I think two of the things I've liked best so far is that one, the story opens up, um, with you actually as a child and you play through the first hour or so of the game as uh, the main character's name is Aloy uh, and you play through the first hour of the game as child Aloy which Young works Link. really well because you're you're learning the skills of hunting and story-wise I think it just fits better to learn that as a child yeah. rather than being an adult and like here's how you use a bow adult person right yeah that makes sense. In a, in a world where everyone l- would learn to use a bow as soon as they, you know, could stand mm-hmm. up. Um, so that that was fun um, to have the tutorial essentially be childhood. Um, and then you you grow up as the story really takes off. And then two was learning that um, pretty early in the game, you get an upgrade for your spear that lets you override the machines um, at which point they will um, they will fight on your side if you are in combat, <laughs> and for certain for certain ones of them you can ride them like a horse. You get Cappy, Mech, you get Mecha Epona. Oh, nice, <laughs> nice. I like it. I saw a picture of her. It's all well and good until Epona turns around and attacks. Uh, I saw a picture of yeah. her like riding a Mecha Rhinoceros or something like that from the second game. Yeah, this is pretty cool. I'm into that. Is it like a mystery story, or is it more like a, a Breath so, of the Wild of. style? There are, there are a couple of problems. There are a couple of different things going on. Um, the The main story is that your village gets attacked, sure, um, and it's very specifically gets attacked because of you. Uh-oh. Um, and so it's, it's, you have to set out on this quest to a hunt down the people who attacked your village and B figure out who you are that they were trying to kill you specifically. That's cool. Hmm. Coming of age in a way. Yeah. 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 Nice. I, I have had this game on my wish list of games to play for quite a long time. Yeah, uh, I I would definitely recommend it. Um, one thing that I will say that that you will appreciate, JJ, in terms of things that I know you don't like about certain open world games, there is a finite number of side quests. 
That's good. Well, finite, don't... finite being a hundred yeah. million anyway. <laughs> you know, like I mean, there are there are a lot enough to make it feel like a a fully rounded out game for there to always be something to do. But it's not like they're just being procedurally generated all the time into infinity. Yeah, that's the stuff that I'm against. It's like if they if someone had to sit down at a computer and make that side quest, I'm I will consider playing it. Yeah. If someone outsourced that to an AI, probably not. Yep. So yeah, there there is a because there is a a hundred percent completion. So the game tracks your progress, uh, and you can hit a hundred percent because there are, you know, a finite number. Sweet. Uh, oh, plus there's uh, there's DLC that is packaged with the game. Oh, that's good. So you don't have to buy it. Separately. Yeah, it's like the game of the year edition already. That's nice. Yes, they need to do. That's so good, man. Well, yeah. considering this game is a PS three PS four launch game. Gosh, did it come out? I think it ago? was I guess like it a PS four year one ago. game. I don't know if it was a launch game, but I think so. Yeah. It was that long ago. I'm pretty sure. It came bundled with mine. I just haven't put it in yet to try it. <laughs> yeah. But I guess I should. It sounds awesome. You definitely should. Highly, highly recommend. I'll use my new controller. All right. Give you an advantage over those robots. Oh, man. I can X button them so good. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need a controller to play board games, JJ. Nah, man. Because that's what I got up to this weekend. I played some physical board games who likes board games on this podcast uh i love them i think we're all raising our yeah I, yes i did i i really honestly did and then was like wait we're not on video today <laughs> uh jj did you have to hold every character's cards in your hands i mean no no let's talk about it so <laughs> there are two games uh that i played uh my wife and i are we know each other well, and so we both got each other board games for Valentine's Day. That's wonderful. Day. Awesome. Uh, and so what we are doing uh, is we... we So there are two games. Uh, I'll start with one, and we'll talk about the other one later if we feel like it, or you know we can save it for next week. We'll see how it goes. Uh, the first game is called Splendor. I'm not sure if either of you have heard of this game before. Maybe? I have seen relatively... this cover art somewhere and i can't place it i don't know why i've seen this maybe it just reminds me of legend of the five yeah. rings art or something it's an it's an oldish uh looking man holding like a blue gem yeah no i've seen this i've seen this cover art See? too maybe i've just seen it like on the it's shelf super familiar it might be dude maybe it might be yeah it might have been i mean i've been to a billion game stores uh in my short tenure on this planet so it's probably crossed my field of view <laughs> the game isn't super old based on like the copyright date on the manual but also who knows but the art has um, that mid yeah, mid yeah. to late 90s board game art for sure yeah it really is right? <laughs> uh so anyway i, I don't know where uh when this game came out but the game basically is played at i think it's uh from one to four people and you're essentially buying. Uh, there's there's a set of tokens on the side, each of which has uh, is a different color and has a picture of a gem on them. So the white tokens have a diamond on them, the red tokens have a ruby on them, the green ones have an emerald, blue ones have a sapphire. Uh, what am I thinking? The black ones have an onyx, 
and then there are yellow ones uh which have like a little symbol for a uh, like a gold mark or something it has like okay. words on it because it's like a printed coin right mm-hmm. Uh, and each of the gems are a currency. Uh, I think there are, I don't know, the number of gems that are in each pile depends on the number of players, I guess. Uh, so there are less when you play with two, but when you play with four, there would be more. Uh, but the way it works is those are your currency, and out on the board are a series of cards. I think there's four in each row. And there are three rows. Uh like the bottom row is the lowest level of cards. Then there's the middle level of cards and the top level. Oh, of in cards. terms of like their expense or their worth yeah, or whatever. Essentially. Uh, both yeah. probably. Yeah. Right. And so it's like the lowest level of cards, you know, maybe it costs uh, four of uh, or one each of four different resources. And that gives you, for instance, like one Ruby, uh, for a card like the card has like a, a ruby at the top and is worth perhaps no points sure uh but if you if you get enough uh of those right so so you basically you spend your turn you pick up uh gems uh, uh the little gem tokens there's different actions you can take like what you could take two of the same one but only if no one else has any of that one or you could take three a uh, one each of three different ones you could take a card from in play and put it in your hand and if you do that, you get to take one of the wild cards. Okay. Uh, the the yellow golds are a wild card, essentially. So it's like, oh, you can use this yellow in place of any one other. Uh, and then once you uh, have the resources assembled to buy one of the cards, you know, you pay your resources back and you put the card up in front of you. And the cards have uh, a number on like the left-hand corner and like a gem symbol on the right-hand okay. corner. The number is how many points they're worth. You get 15 points, you win the game. The gem in the right-hand corner is essentially a discount on gems of that type going forward. Okay, so this is like almost Race to the Galaxy here. Uh, it, it has some of that feel for yeah. sure. Yeah, definitely. It's like a simpler it, Race to you, the Galaxy. Not simpler, maybe, but yeah, definitely it, it's, it's different. Yeah, it, it's different in some ways than Race to the Galaxy, but it definitely has this feel of like, as you're acquiring more and more cards in front you of you, you need to develop synergies to develop cheapness to develop. Well, there there are no synergies because the cards really just have like all they do is make things okay. cheaper, yeah. right? Okay. But the things the next level up also cost way more than the things that. On yeah, the I'm looking at one that's like free to five. Yeah, exactly. Right, and so it's like, oh well, you could get uh, this one that's four gems total but one of each type but it's worth no points and the one the next level up might be three diamonds one emerald and one yeah, onyx this this one i'm looking and at it's way harder to get three of a kind than it is yeah, to get one this one that right? i'm looking at yeah. is seven greens and three reds for five points because getting seven of anything is a giant pain <laughs> even if <laughs> even if you have a ton of uh the uh the i think they call what do they call them bonuses or whatever essentially like you're going to get a discount on things going forward right even if you have a ton of those green discounts you're still probably going to have to get like three maybe four greens in your hand to pay, or you know maybe including some wild sure. cards that's really hard to do when your typical action to pick up uh gems is you know one of three different colors it's really hard to get three of a kind and especially because the number of 
gems you're allowed to hold in your hand is limited to 10 exactly. Oh, no. I don't know. If, oh. Yeah. I don't know if that's a two-player rule or not, but I think it is or is not because otherwise, like, there isn't a ton of these tokens. You can run out pretty quick, and it's actually really easy to, like, intentionally pull off, pull off like, uh, enough tokens to like deny the other person the color they oh, want. Oh, so they can't get those seven oh, greens okay. because you've taken greens. I have two greens sitting here, but I'm not using them, and now you can never have them. Right. <laughs> kind of a thing. Uh, that's not like the primary strategy in the game. Uh, definitely the strategy is a lot more about like, okay, which of these cards that are out here can I get? And which of them are worth points? Because mo- a lot of like the low-level ones are worth nothing. And then it's like, okay, well, this one's worth one, and it's relatively easy to assemble, and one is fine. But, like, this one's two, and this other one, if I save for a while, is five, and that's, like, a ton. I see a version of this game that uh, has been reskinned for space, and it looks exactly like Race for the Galaxy. <laughs> yeah. The difference with Race for the Galaxy, though, is there's the, like, the feeling of, like, building an engine. Absolutely. Yeah. Where... At- as you play as a player cards, the cards sort of work together with each other to do more. Yeah, there's another layer of complexity here that's and, not here. Yeah, yeah. Th- this game is really more like what are the cards that are in front of me, and you can draw from the face down from the decks as well if you just you know don't like what's out. But you know, it, it, there's a lot. Le- you you can never really excel. Like there's no way to like accelerate. Right, like in Race for the Galaxy, once you sort of assemble a certain set of cards, they all start working together, and you like feel your power accelerating yeah. towards towards the victory condition. In this game, you never really accelerate. Uh, you know, maybe once you get to a certain point, you hit like the oh, that's uh, awesome. There's this there's this mechanic uh, called nobles, which are essentially uh, little cards that sit at the top, and they're worth some number of points points and once you assemble a certain number of bonuses that are listed on the noble the noble will come you know to your side and there's essentially free points for if you got four uh four sapphires and four diamonds this person you get three extra points right in addition to whatever your your cards were i love this version michael found the reskinned marvel version the marvel version where you're trying to gather infinity stones to get the gauntlet this is i wonder how that works because the uh you need a lot of. Oh no! Okay, I think it's. The it looks same. like it's just they a just reskin. It. Yeah. Okay. Because like in, there's really only one of each Infinity Stone, right? And that wouldn't be how this. No, it just it seems like a reskin where you're like building a hero team instead fun, of though. buying property or whatever the original one was. Yeah, that's yeah, fun. That's cool. Uh, what is the uh, interactivity? I, I, is there like a other than? I see you're going for green, so I'm taking green. Is there offense in terms of like I'm going to break your this that or the other so there's there isn't really a way to directly interact with the other person so it's almost like multi-solitaire no the pool of cards is face up in front of all players so you can uh because you can take cards into your hand like maybe you say like i can't afford this card this turn right so i I can't pay for it sure but i can see that it could be bought by other people so you can pick it up, and then no one else has access to it. Puerto Rico right? fragged an eye, right? Yeah, definitely, right? And so there's definitely an aspect of that where, like, oh, I can see they have three green bonuses, and they already have four reds. And if they get one more, they're going to get this noble that's worth three extra points or four points or whatever. I'm going to take this one off the board so they can't get it you know, for free or very cheaply, mm-hmm. right? Even if I don't want it, 
I take this off the board, I get the gold token, which is, you know, not nothing, but it's only one instead of three gems. Yeah, right? Other than the other and, than the decks being shuffled, is there randomness to the game? Uh, the decks being shuffled means that the cards that are out are different. The nobles are different as well. There's a pile of them, and you get only three per game. Um, no. Okay. There's no well, dice. this looks cool as heck. How did your game go? Uh, it's awesome. We've played a bunch of rounds of it. We've both won. Um, it is... It's one of those games where, like, the first time you kind of have to go slow, you know, again, because you're trying to figure out, all right, like, what is actually good to be doing here? Like, is it better to hold a bunch of these cards or or just buy the ones that are face up? Or, you know, how does that go? Um, but I think it's been it's been more interesting, the, the later games uh, that we've been playing. It's... I really like Splendor. This game is cool. Hulk is only three victory points, and Hobgoblin is five. Don't look at me, man. I didn't hmm. choose. <laughs> the the art on the uh, base game ones are just like generic, like yeah, like elephants and Renaissance, Renaissance era noble looking people and ships yeah. and statues yeah. and stuff like that. I'm wondering what the markup is between this and the Marvel. <laughs> I'm looking at both next to each other. That's funny. That's cool, man. Yeah. It's, it is a totally fun game. Nice. Uh, and the other game we played uh, is called Tiny Towns. Okay. Have, has anyone heard I know of where one? this is headed. No. This, sounds, this actually sounds familiar. I feel like I've seen this one. Okay. So Tiny Towns is made by Andrew. AEG. Yep. yep. I've heard yeah. of it. Uh I'm looking at it now. Yeah. Yeah, the a uh, a brand who we used Ven- to play card games. The venerable long the venerable ago. and somehow still not dead AEG. <laughs> I suspect they don't have as many employees as they used to, Andrew. <laughs> you know, collectible card but, games used to be a thing. Yeah. Uh, hey, Magic's still yeah, out Yeah, but I mean, uh, what's their yes. digital profit versus their card profit? You know what I mean? Real cards. Uh, I mean, they still make real cards. I don't know what you're talking about. I know. About. What's the profit difference between that and their online game is all I'm saying. This looks like a... Magic, you just sell both. See, that's why they, that's right. they get you. This looks like a Euro. Uh, it is... I would say this game is like a cross between Carcassonne... And this looks like Alhambra. I don't know. It, it, there's some Alhambra in there, right? There's like a ton of different types of buildings, which is definitely Alhambra-ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Carcassonne in that you have a little map and you have to place these buildings on a map. Uh, so the way this game works is you're given a grid. Uh, every player has a grid, their own grid. So you can't mess with other people's grids, uh, which is nice. And the idea is to lay out a town on this grid, filling as many squares as is possible uh, and producing as many points as is possible based on the buildings that are available to you. In order to build a building, you have to use the correct resources. There's a pile of resources, and I think there are five different ones. And each building needs cubes, which are the little resources, laid out in a specific order on the grid in order to then take those cubes off and place the building in a single spot that those cubes previously occupied. Okay, I see, I see. Uh, so you have to okay. you have to remove your cubes to it, win. It is Carcassonne, it is Carcassonne and Tetris. It's, That's what this yeah. game is. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. 
uh, this is really hard to do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm thinking about the logistics of this and just like, I'm sure, especially in the late game where you have only certain real estate available on your board and you have to find a piece that fits into the... Yeah, this is going to be one of those games where memorizing what types of patterns are out there will help you immensely. Well, let me go ahead and tell you, you don't need to memorize. The card is in front of you and available to everyone. All the cards are just laid out. Uh, So there is one secret card. Uh, We haven't yet played a game using it because they recommend for your first couple games you don't use them. Makes sense. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Because let me tell you, it's hard (laughs) without the secret cards. Uh, The secret cards are called monuments, and they're essentially like a like an Uber building, right? It's like the best building you could build and they are more complicated and then produce like stuff like what would be like a set bonus or like they give you some condition, right? That could produce a bunch of points or not, depending on whether you fulfill it or not. Uh, Each building then is worth a certain number of points. If you get houses, houses aren't worth that many points, but if you can provide food to the houses by building another building that gives food, then maybe your houses could be worth three points each. And that's pretty good. Uh, you can build a a well, uh, or, you know, some other building that takes the place of a well and a well gets points for every house that touches it up, down, left, and right. Uh, the game is all about things being up, down, left, and right, no diagonals. (laughs) So it's helpful that it doesn't use diagonals for any kind of like touching and adjacency in that, because it just makes it very clear if it's, it's this one, is it touching up, down, left, or right? Anything? No, not adjacent. Yeah, that's good. Yeah way way easier um and you know you can build houses or buildings like the the tavern which is uh worth more points the more taverns you build (laughs) Mm. uh or sorry it's like all taverns are worth a certain number of points but it depends on how many taverns you have how many total points you get right sure like oh one is worth two but two is worth four and then five is worth 15 or something right uh, there are churches, which are get more points depending on how many houses you have, but there have the houses have to be fed, otherwise the churches doesn't get as many points. Uh, what other stuff is there? Th- there's a whole bunch of different kinds of buildings, and they all there's like five classes of buildings, six classes, certain number of classes of buildings, uh, and each you know there's something like a factory or a workshop or something like this, and usually that does has some ability to like either let you save cubes or move cubes around or change cubes for other kinds of cubes. Uh, there's some building that is like the more of these buildings you have, the more points you can get. There's like a church or a uh, some building in that vein that does something related to houses. There's a building like the well that's based on adjacency. There's the houses. Houses are in every game, so that's the the one constant. Uh, and each building has a different grid of grid pattern of the resources that it needs. It might need two yellows and a red laid out in this specific configuration, or this one needs a uh, like a I don't like a gray and a brown. Or this one needs two browns and a blue and a green. And, you know all the this architects stuff, right? guild looks extremely unstable. Probably uh, a lot of them are extremely <laughs> unstable. Uh, and so then, you know, you're laying these pieces out all around and trying to figure out how to like, it, uh, so the way the game works, right. Is like whoever is starting, they choose a resource and both players have to place that resource on their grid. 
And then uh, after you've placed a resource, yes, ah, that's the uh, problem, right? It's not just like I place one on and then you place one and then it goes back and forth all nice and happy. No, I pick and you have to place it too. Ooh. Yeah, Aggressive. it's really rough because because you're like, oh, well, I can see like your little layout here looks like that's going to be a cottage. I'm going to pick some other completely useless resource to you, but helps me build a church over here. And then you have this cube sitting somewhere. You're like, well, now what am I going to do with this cube? Yeah, right? where can you put it sort uh, of thing? And that you're not going to block yourself because you have to lay them out in the order on the car, sure. right? Maybe it means you need to make an yeah. L piece or you have to make a zigzag or you have to do you know, like a little block or something like that. And if you can't make that shape, you're out of luck. Uh, and it's it gets really complicated, man. <laughs> this looks awesome. Uh, and then it it is super fun. Uh, and at the end, you are penalized for open squares are negative points and uh, resources left on your board that don't turn into a building uh, are are also negative points. That makes sense. Uh, as well as, you know, maybe you have negative points from some buildings or something like that. There are other ways you could end up with negative points as well. Uh, and then the buildings sort of tell you how many points they're worth and you total up your scores at the end and there you go. Uh, it is interesting that this game... Uh, doesn't just like end once like one person fills up their board or is out of moves or whatever. Sure. Like it doesn't just end. The other person gets to keep going. Wait, what? I, you don't just get the one more turn. They get like more and more turns. They get to keep. Yeah. Yeah. If you somehow like were able to build it so that you get have like the other person has filled up their board inefficiently or something, you get to keep going and keep filling up your board in whatever way you want. That. Uh, huh. Which like generally just means you destroy the sure. points uh, because you have clearly been efficient and they have right. not been right. Wow. I mean, it, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, it, it, I'm sure that comes into play more when you're playing with more than just two people, right? Because yeah, someone I, yeah. invariably someone is going to get locked in and not be able to do anything. But that doesn't mean that the other you know three or four people can't just keep going. Wow. Yeah, so I, I really want to try this one with more people because I think the the like grid aspect of it is super interesting, and you know you just shuffle the cards again, and you're going to get different buildings with different layouts. Well, and, and having more people and, means three turns before you get resources, like of getting random resources, right? Yes, and, and so the planning is going to be sure. really different too, right? And mm-hmm. and then it's also a. Uh, you know, like, yeah, it takes a few turns to get back around to you. Uh, but they're probably going to be building some of the, like, buildings that are relatively similar to the ones you're building. So it wouldn't be, like, all necessary that, like, you're just going to be getting hosed for three turns in a row before you build something. Right? Oh, of course not. But it would be a lot more planning, right, to make sure that you're following your plan. Yeah, it becomes much harder to plan in that three-person or four-person sure. game, right, than in the two-person That's cool, one. man. Uh, and, yeah, it it is super interesting. I think the – and the kinds of, like, strategic thinking you have to do in this game is, like, really different from the kind you had to do in Splendor, which was a fun change sure. of pace. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the – like, in one game of it, I I happened upon, like, a really – efficient layout of houses so that the house is a like an 
a three it's three cubes right arranged in like an, an l or an elbow and they're three different uh-huh. colors and the way the uh the way feeding the houses worked in that game was i think the piece was called a greenhouse and a greenhouse would feed any number of houses as long as the houses were adjacent to each other or adjacent to other houses oh, so you could chain them okay yes it's like one contiguously together group of houses it would feed all of them, right? But if you have another house on, over here somewhere else, then it doesn't work anymore. Uh, Tiny Towns is a tabletop simulator add-on, so. Cool. Uh-huh. Uh, and I just happened upon, like, a really efficient placement of L's where, like, I could loop the L's back and forth on top of each other to squeeze all these connected houses in all the corners of my board that I wasn't <laughs> using for like other stuff. And then I had like a ludicrous amount of houses uh, by the end, which was Splendor fun. is also available. I, I also, I also enjoy that this game, uh, tiny towns rule book says that the pieces aren't the limiting factor. If you need more pieces than they give you, you can just go out and like make, figure out whatever you want to pl- replace them. It's like, you, if you need 800 things for some what? reason, they're just like, yeah, how would you need it. more? Like, I'm confused matter. as to how, why you would need more stuff though. Well, if you're playing with four people, right. And everyone is building a bunch of houses. You might run out. Run you out. might run out of house okay. pieces. Yeah. They give you like little wooden block pieces of all these various types of buildings. So, you know, eventually you run out. Okay. I get it. Um, I like that. They just, they're like, look, man, we're not going to like limit you to the number of houses we have. If you want to just like put pennies or something on here, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Because if you run into a sweet idea like I did that one time, <laughs> and you just want to have like a, a bunch of houses all over your all over your town, they should let you. Sure. Right? Cool. So I, I enjoyed that. It's certainly a, a Tiny Towns is a much longer game uh, than Splendor sure. is. You can't just like play play a game of Tiny Towns. You got to get it out and just all this, all these little pieces and stuff. There are a lot of little pieces in Tiny Towns. So, not so great for like young kids, maybe. All right. Well. I think that was a great, I, I think it's great to talk board games once in a while, honestly, personally. I just miss them so much <laughs> right now. Oh I my know. God. <laughs> uh, it's refreshing to find out about. Uh, hey, Kit weighed in on some of our dilemmas from last pod, so I have to throw out here. Although he kind of split the difference and didn't solve much because it gives JJ one point. No, it ties JJ up and then makes him wronger. So yes, we have to we have to say them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, okay, yeah, it's all about me. Great, great. Uh, he weighs in and says DK sixty four is good. So, uh, and then ties it up with Power Rangers is better than Pokemon. Song wise, song wise, okay. I'll be very clear. But I think we made our cases last time, and just the pile on on DK sixty four. Uh, please keep it coming. But in the meantime, uh, if you guys have board games that you're sitting on that you really want to play and you want us to talk about them or look into them or tell us about them, where would you go? Uh, you can send those to podcast at weweregamers.com. That's our email address. We will uh, read your emails and we like to answer them, but we batch them up. So 
you know, send them to us. And once we get a critical mass, we'll eventually read them and talk about them right on here. Uh, apparently, they like it. Uh, we all like it when we send things that prove me wrong. So feel free <laughs> to do that. Uh, apparently, increases your odds of getting your emails read on this podcast. So please do that. Uh, we are also on social media everywhere at We Were Gamers, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, wherever. Uh, you can follow us on those platforms to find out when our new podcasts are coming out. Uh, we are available this podcast on really everything. We tried uh, to put it on. So, hey, uh, you know, listen to us where you want to, and we'll be uh, coming at you with more podcasts Yay. soon. Uh, very shortly, carbon scoring and subspace transmissions. So keep an eye out for those. Good stuff. Until next time.